What's up, walkers? This is Brett. This is Allie. And we're just two wonderful human beings talking about Star Wars. All the time! In the Skywalk? Whatever. Uh, we're back here today. We're, we're, we apologize uh, once again to Jeff's mom because Jeff is not here once again. I swear he will be back for our next episode. We've got a be. lot to talk to Jeff about. Actually, a little preview of that episode. I will try to convince Jeff mm-hmm. to watch the next trailer for The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, you gotta. Uh, there's reasons. I'm gonna make a whole argument. It's gonna be a whole thing uh, to try to to try to try get him on board. So that'll be interesting, and then we got some other Wait, stuff to cover. Wait, he didn't watch the trailer? He, he watched the one that already released, but then he has taken his vow to not watch any oh. further footage, including a in pre- uh, presumably extended trailer, y- you know, whatever comes out in a couple of months from now. Mm, yeah. Um, or any of the stuff that happens after that. Mm-hmm. So I, I might cut it off after the next trailer. Yeah. Um, but I have reasons that I, th- I think he should want to watch the next trailer. Uh, so we'll cover that next time with Jeff. And uh, before we get into uh, today, we're going to cover my rankings of the Star Wars movies. Uh, a couple episodes back, we covered Allie's rankings. And I'm going to explain why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Controversial as they were. <laughs> Very controversial. <laughs> Uh, but first, uh, something we don't usually do is... Uh, uh, oh, oh. Ugh, crap. Drop the notes. <laughs> first of all, we want to thank our listeners. We've been getting a buttload of listeners coming in. Thank you. And it's just going up and up and up and up all the time. So thank you so much uh, for listening to the best Star Wars podcast in the universe. And... Um, and also, we have some. I, I just want to make some clarifications from oh. our last episode. We don't usually do this. No. But now that we corrections. Have, now that we have all these people listening, I think it's important to clarify some things. There's actually a lot of them. Okay. When we say that we that J.J. Abrams didn't know what he was doing, I we're just wanna, serious. Uh, we're serious. <laughs> but I want to be specific ab- about what. Oh. We're not saying that he didn't know what he was doing as a filmmaker. No. We're saying he didn't know where it was going. Yeah, we're saying that he didn't have the appropriate amount of time to develop a well-fleshed-out story. Right. You don't want to be writing this while you're filming it. Right. Or and, and, and I mean, you can you can make corrections on the fly. Oh, yeah, as one would expect you to do. But he didn't really know the arc. He didn't know, like, this character is eventually going to be good, or this one's going to eventually be bad, or this is going to pay off later when this happens. He didn't yeah. really know. Um, and, and that's all we mean when we say that. Um I confirmed that the X-Wing crashed in the middle of Jeddah in Rogue One is, in fact, still smoking. That's oh. something that we talked about in our last episode. Lando's Randos Volume 2. You'll want to yes. go back and listen to that one. Um, when I said nothing happens at the beginning of Empire, a- Ali <laughs> I was very forced shocked. me to explain that a little bit on the spot, but I want to explain it a little more. When they say nothing happens, they're not saying... Um, so we, we talked about film critics from a film critic perspective. Uh, the first half hour of, of, of The Empire Strikes Back, um, I said that, that film critics would say nothing happens. Not that there's no action, not that there's nothing happening in the movie, but that it's nothing that really uh, carries the plot forward. And, and so that, that's their criticism. I don't agree with yeah, it at all. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. As you will hear in my rankings. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that, that's the idea there. Okay. From a film critic uh, perspective. Oh, they're uh, wrong. Further clarification. Um, no, I don't think I have anything else. Okay. Actually, I kind of do. Should I just say it? Sure. <laughs> 
If there's one thing a man of my age is good at, it's beating something into the ground and not knowing when to just let it go. So I just want to I just want to further my argument <laughs> for for throwing away the whole idea of legends. Last time we talked about how when Disney purchased Lucasfilm, they took all the expanded universe, the books, the comics, everything that came before and said that is now legends. It is no longer considered Star Wars canon. But that's not how legends work. As Han Solo might say in The Force Awakens. That's not how the Force works. Uh, legends are things that might be true and they might not. So yeah. I'm using that argument to further my argument that they shouldn't just say none of that stuff is canon anymore. It's all legends because that's not what a legend is. And just try to think if we were in the continuing uh, Star Wars saga, episodes 7, 8, and 9 that are happening now, and you didn't know which of those things in the past were real or not, that makes things a little more unpredictable in my book. So, yeah, things may have happened that way. They may have not. And maybe we'll find out in those movies. And so then when they pluck something, you're like, oh, wow, it really did happen that way. Much the way, you know, Finn and Ray are like, oh, wow, this Jedi stuff really was true. Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> anyway. I thought I had convinced you. but You kind of had. I mean, I, you convinced me of some of the benefits of throwing out legends and only keeping the new canon and adding to the new canon, which I do think is great. And I think obviously they're going to keep doing that. I just don't think you need to make that distinction because if we didn't know, what would that actually hurt? Yeah, I guess so. We would just kind of be wondering like, hey, maybe that story about that time Han fought a who knows what in the who knows what planet, you know, maybe that was true. (laughs) And you might not ever know, which is equally cool. All right. So let's get into the rankings. Mm -hmm. Uh, You heard Allie's listing of her Star Wars movie rankings from best to least best. Yes. Because we love them all. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to say, because some of our listeners mentioned that they would have liked to hear my rankings or Jeff's rankings in comparison with Allie's. But we did it this way uh, deliberately because uh, we didn't want to do them head to head. That episode would have been like three hours long. For starters, it would have been way too long. But also, we don't want to average them out because we think that there's room for different opinions. Yes. These are kind of like your Star Wars playlists where like, here's how I rank them and here's why. And we want to let each one breathe and we want to try to absorb other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And like your opinions, Allie, actually influenced my listing, (gasps) my Star Wars rankings, you know, nothing wrong with learning from each other no, and gaining a new perspective and a new viewpoint without trying to mash it into our own. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, The Force Awakens is garbage. (laughs) The <laughs> garbage will do. That <laughs> kind of does sum it up. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, that's why we're not doing them as head-to-head. Yes. We want each each of us to present our personal rankings mm-hmm. and then make the case for it and explain why we feel the way that we do. And then, you know, some people's opinions will align with ours and others won't. And that's okay. I guess so. You don't need to take over the galaxy. You can live and let live. So here we go. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, of course, uh, after we do this, I will comment on it. Allie will comment on it. We'll crit- critique it, and then we'll get Jeff's in a future episode and see how he ranks. And I, kn- I guarantee you, I promise you, they will be different from mine, and they will be different from Allie's. Yes, but I feel like they will align closer with yours than with mine. Probably, yeah. But. 
Some of it is age. Yes. Maybe even gender. But I really don't think that's a f- the thing that influences it. I think mm. it's, it's more age and where you come from and when you saw these yeah. for the first time and yeah. what you saw first. Okay. I'm not going to give you all of my listing at once. Okay. Uh, like we did with yours. We're going to tr- change up the approach a little bit. Okay. So I should write these down. I'm going to tell you my first two right off the bat. Oh, God. Okay. Hang on. Let me get my notes app out so I can then, write this down. Then if you want the rest, you're going to have to pay. Oh, okay. Have, have I'm going to have to start our Patreon account. <laughs> yeah, that thing. Someday. Okay. I'm ready. Wait. Let's load up on the coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. All right. It's so early. So my first two. Yep. Empire Strikes Back in the number one position. Duh. And A New Hope in the number two position. No big surprises here. I think a lot of people feel this way. Um, but here's why. So the, the main reason being that these are just brilliant, inspired, innovative movies that are unlike anything that came before it. And they mm-hmm. still hold up just as well. Yeah. We talked in our last episode about how something could be a good film, but not, not necessarily a good Star Wars movie. Yeah. Uh, It could be good from a critical perspective, but not for Star Wars fans. Uh, The Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope are both, in my opinion. And it's remarkable how well they hold up to this day. Yeah. Um, They're beautiful. I also think there's a correlation to, like, the, how I would rank the scores of the Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah. Probably aligns pretty closely with the <coughs> actual ranking of the movies. I was thinking about that last night because I get Ray's theme stuck in my head all the time. I love most of that soundtrack, but yeah. I, the movie just doesn't. So maybe it wouldn't quite land yeah, in the same mine, spot on I think your list. Yeah, would be different, but right. I, that would actually be an interesting... Yeah, we might Another have to do ranking. that. Yes, we might have to rank the scores. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely put Empire Strikes Back ahead of anything. That asteroid field. Uh, the movie, it starts off um, with the Battle of Hoth, which is just incredible. And despite what critics might think of that whole scene being unnecessary for moving the story along, that's fine, people. We talked about... Uh, How is the Battle of Hoth unnecessary to move no, the plot I, I, along? I, I, I don't know. That's a film critic thing, again. And this is the problem, I think. This is what we were talking about in our last episode about the new movies. They're too utilitarian. It is like a cut of meat. It's the fat that gives it flavor. Yes. And so these movies had fat, and that's okay. Leave a little whimsy in there. Yeah. Don't cut it all out. Yeah. And then you end up with this lean piece of tasteless meat. Which Blech. <laughs> Blech. Uh, so that's how I feel about Empire Strikes Back. The score is absolutely incredible. Yes. It's absolutely incredible. Um, it the the emotion in that I, I was daydreaming this morning while I was listening to the score of Empire Strikes Back on my headphones on the way to work. Mm-hmm. Of uh, you know they do this live thing where they'll uh, they'll have the orchestra play the music of Jaws like the Boston Pops. Oh yeah, will um, they'll play it as it happens as you watch the movie yeah. live and it's incredible. Yeah, and I just can't imagine that for Empire Strikes Back. The music is so moving you could listen to the whole thing and know exactly what's going on. You would I think for. Empire, mm-hmm. you would you would need the full Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra for that. You couldn't do it with just the pops, right? No, I agree because it's yeah. not. It's just like a concert right. band. It's not you. You can't have like there are pieces of Empire's score that have been like written for concert pieces, mm-hmm. so like a high school band can play them, <laughs> right? But like you can't. You cannot have the asteroid field play without every single instrument in the orchestra. Oh my goodness. That one's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to the music from Cloud City today when things really turned there when, yep. you know, Lando is up to no good. 
it's it's just all incredible. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and apparently, there is a bunch of music that was written for Empire that was then taken out because it overwhelmed the um, what was actually going on in the movie. Yeah. So. Well, that's the other brilliant thing. So yeah. A lot of the a lot of the uh, final confrontation between Luke and Vader is scoreless. Yeah. And it does have music at just the right times, just enough. Uh, like the final exchange between the two of them, mm-hmm. that has the music, which is incredibly powerful. Yeah. So let's not forget, okay, this movie has two of the greatest twists, that being the greatest twist in cinematic history. Of them all. Of them all. And I don't, I think that's an argument you could make whether you're a Star Wars fan or not. Yeah. Um, there are movies that had great twists. But um, that one, Piece de Resistance. Right. And given like where it came in the timeline of things, this is the second movie. You're now like totally invested in these characters and you're learning more about them all the time. And that's what Empire does so well. It takes everything that was great about A New Hope and it just expands it and gives it more depth it and puts makes the it fat back on. It puts the fat in there too. They didn't cut it out. <laughs> they didn't leave it on the cutting room floor, JJ. Uh, it's just, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say like, in comparison to having very little music for most of the Vader-Luke battle, mm-hmm. like I'm trying right now, I'm trying to envision what the battle between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul would be without Duel of the Fates. And I can't, I, like, I can't. Right. I can't. That would be the most boring lightsaber battle ever. Yep. Yep. But it's so interesting. Yeah, to and, have well, that. and even then there were spots where there's, well, there's where the music is very low. Yeah. Um, or Cora. very calm. Ratama. Yeah, da da da. Oh, da da ka. Chicago. Chicago. So yeah, the greatest twist, not not just the big twist that we all know so well, which is just like, you would not have the staying power of Star Wars. We talked a couple episodes back about uh, trying to imagine what life would be like if A New Hope was the only Star Wars movie that ever came out. Yeah. And sure, it'd be great. Um, it'd be like Blade Runner, you know? Yeah. Where it, it lives on. It has a really, you know, people think very fondly of it. Be a hundred versions of it. without Empire, and we talked about this before, too, Empire was uh, performed... Uh, worse than any other Star Wars movie at the box office. Baffling. But it's the one that has given it the lasting power that it has, you know, to stick around and be so relevant and have such a rabid fan base to this day because of the stuff that happens in Empire. Mm -hmm. That twist. But also even before that. So when I was a kid, uh, when I really, I I think I had seen Star Wars, uh, Empire Strikes Back when I was really too young to remember and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was really kind of aware and a human being that could remember things is, you know, I saw Jedi. cognitive processes. When I had cognitive processes uh, is when I saw Jedi. So that was kind of my first Star Wars movie in in a way. Yeah. Um, I was just way more aware for that one than the other two. And then I'd go back and watch the other two later and kind of understand them better. And when I did that with Empire, I was blown away not just by the ending, Mm -hmm. but even by the appearance of Vader and Boba Fett on Cloud City. Yeah. Because that scene is incredible as well. Because those doors, the music is playing and everything's happy. Everything's great. I'm Lando. I'm doing well for myself. I got a great health insurance plan from all my employees. (laughs) (laughs) I got nice capes, Brendan. Uh, You know, things are wonderful. Uh, And then the doors open 
and Darth Vader's there with Boba Fett. We'd be honored if you would join us for Because Han takes out his blaster, yeah. tries to shoot him. Darth takes it away via the Force. It's just that scene, too, blew me away, which I think yeah. that one gets forgotten because the other thing is so amazing as mm-hmm. well. Um, but it's just, it's an incredible movie. It's grandiose. It's beautiful. It's uh, somehow darker. I think the thing that gets overplayed about Empire or is overstated dark it is. is the darkness because yeah. it still manages to be fun, adventurous, romantic, and not just romantic in the classical sense of like Han and Leia and their whole relationship and the brilliant line that Harrison Ford improvised yeah. in that movie, um, but romanticizing even Han's fate in that movie. Yeah. Like what happens in Force Awakens is dour. It's depressing. It's gloomy. And what, at the end? At the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, what happens in Empire is awful. But, but then at the end, you get, like, Leia and Luke, and they're just like, well, now that I have a hand again, right. let's fix this problem. Right. And it's hopeful at the end. And you don't dread that bad stuff. No. Like, when, when, when I watch Force Awakens, I don't really want to get to that scene. No. Nope. Like, if I doze off before that happens, I'm kind of happy about it. <laughs> Uh, with Empire, you want to see that. It's wonderful. Yeah. Even if you don't know what's going to happen next, which apparently at the time people, some people thought that Han was dead. Apparently in 1980 when the movie oh. came out. Fun fact there. There were people, apparently somehow it was not quite clear. I mean, it's obvious to us because we've seen them all now. But at the time, apparently it was a little uncertain because he's frozen in carbonite and they're like, yeah, he's alive. But people didn't know if he was really ever coming back. Oh, like if he was just going to be stuck in carbonite for the rest of I, his life. Yeah, apparently. I don't I don't know what they th- – what did you people think? <laughs> okay, I don't think God, people, didn't you listen to the movie? <laughs> I know. So that's how I feel about Empire. I'm not, I, I I'm not going to talk agree. that long about the rest of these movies, but that, that one just deserves it. It's yeah. just so good. I think I agree with you about pretty much everything that you said. And I think the dark thing is why when I was a kid, it wasn't my favorite. I think that's why right. Jedi was because right. it was a lot happier. Right. But now that I'm an adult and I appreciate dark, moody things, <laughs> <laughs> I got through my goth when phase. Once you get the goth thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Empire, yes, and I agree with you on that too. Uh, New Hope, I still love A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times, like right now, where I just, I'm, I'm dying to go back and watch it again. And we just watched it a year ago here. Yeah, all almost. Together. Yeah. Um, but it's so good. It's so, there's such a sense of mystery there and exploration. Um, I think about, I, my brain always goes back to R2 rolling around on his own through Tatooine, through a ravine through where the there Jundland are wastes. Jabba, uh, Jabba's, Jawas, Jawas hang out in the shadows. It's just wonderful. And you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And it's fine. You want to know. Yeah. And I think even like knowing, because like I obsessively watch behind the scenes stuff about all the movies. Yeah. And like knowing that that scene where Luke gets um, surprise attacked by the Tusken Raiders. Yep. And there's that one shot where he's, <laughs> yeah, he's shaking his gaffy stick over his head and it's just like the reel going back and forth because they're literally at the oh, yeah. end of the reel. <laughs> like knowing that stuff just makes it's it so much better. Yeah, yeah, it's it so does. fun. The stormtrooper head bop. Yeah, everybody loves that. Mm-hmm. That dude's a legend now. Mm-hmm. Not, an actual legend. Yeah. Not Star Wars legends. <laughs> uh, he's canon. He's canon. <laughs> he, and he always will be. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's that's my top two. Now, interesting, Allie, if you can see on my list, I wrote the first two in permanent in marker, and then everything <laughs> else is in pencil. Everything else is in pencil because this is—I feel like it's always in flux, and I had a really hard time 
coming up with the rest of this list. So uh, my number three spot is Jedi. And okay. I'm, I'm not, I, I think that was always my default. Yeah. And after the pre- prequels, it remained my default. Okay. And then now we have The Force Awakens and Rogue One. And yet it's still there, not by default. I, I put serious thought into it. And uh, s- part of it is what we talked about, the, the Star Wars-iness of it. Yep. Uh, George Lucas was still mostly on his game. Yeah. Uh, he was getting a little soft. <laughs> And he put literally soft creatures in the movie for the last third of it, which was the Ewoks, which I still don't hate to this day. I actually love the Ewoks. I don't love the fact that in a practical sense, it makes no sense for them to be able to uh, concuss a stormtrooper with a stick. They're wearing armor. Even if it's plastic, You just it's just, it's just not believable on screen. Uh, but he wrapped up the saga so well. The conflict between... Uh, Luke and Vader and I can remember a little bit of this at the time I was old enough to know to remember the excitement before the movie because you still didn't know what was going to happen between the two of them Yeah, you had just found out that Vader is Luke's dad you sat on that for three years if you were old enough to remember at Mm -hmm. the time wondering what was going to happen and the resolution is wonderful you get the confrontation you get the scene where Luke thinks maybe I can just talk my dad out of all of this right now and no you can't I'm bringing you to my emperor He's more important to me than you are. I'm more loyal to him. And then you have that final confrontation, and they do fight, and Luke does start to give in to the dark side. He it's does start to give in to his anger. The final confrontation is the background on my <laughs> That's awesome. That's beautiful. And he does start kicking the crap out of his dad, and he does cut his dad's hand off. And but then, that's when. Then, yes, he throws down the saber. And this is an interesting thing now about The Last Jedi that'll be coming out in several months from now. It's like, he did try this pacifist route once. Yeah. And it was in that moment. Yeah. So I just want to remember that. Uh, he, he throws down the lightsaber. He says, no, you're going to have to kill me because I'm just not going to go to the dark side. All of that is brilliant. And the music is incredible. Mm-hmm. The music in that scene, I got chills now just thinking about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it just sells everything. It's like a low choral hum. Yeah. And it just keeps building and building and crescendos. Yeah. And it's just wonderful. And everything about it is so believable. Everything is so earnest. Yeah, the dilly-dallying with the Ewoks, whatever. But it's still nice. Like, you know, that's the thing that I just hope they get going forward is so much of Star Wars is about the feeling and the ambiance and the environment. Yeah. The This is why the concept artists are so important now to these movies. And they're always just thought of as like, oh, you're the people who just dress the background set. But no, they create the – they're part of the emotion of every scene in Star Wars. Yeah. It's the mood, the colors, the tones, the sky – Whatever it is, the music, the sound effects, everything plays into that. And it just feels so Star Wars. You feel like you're in that world. And I I haven't really felt that way since. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, we just watched it in the office. Mm -hmm. And um, going back to your comment about the, like, the background artists and Mm -hmm. everything, I think I said this when we were watching it. I never noticed before (laughs) we watched it the other day that... How, like how much of the background art is matte paintings. Yes. And like it doesn't bother me. <laughs> no. I, in the slightest. I'm nope. just like, dang, Macquarie. Yep. Dang. Oh, yeah. Like Han and Lando in the hangar. Yeah. Well, that like that I knew that was right. a matte painting. Yeah. I've always known that. But like there's the shot when the emperor's 
um, Lambda class shuttle is coming into the Death Star, mm -hmm. and all of that's a map painting. And <laughs> yep. I don't think I ever realized it was. A, I maybe like knew, but like watching it on that huge screen, I was mm -hmm. like, "Oh my god!" And in a strange way, don't don't those actually still feel more real than yes. when you know something is CG? Oh, absolutely. I mean, those map paintings, one hundred percent, are f just like miles above any of the CG in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let that be a lesson to you, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Please or don't. Trevoro. How do you say it? I've always said Trevorrow. Trevorrow, yeah. Because haven't, he hasn't the started The guy that ruined yet. Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dinosaur well, Island. Dinosaur Island. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that, those are my feelings on Jedi. That's why it remains in the number three spot okay. uh, on my list. Although, again, it is in pencil. It is flexible. So there's there's room there. Uh, number four, this one Allie totally will not agree with. Oh, no. Because I have the number four Awakens. No! I'm sorry, Allie. But you know what? Uh, and, and this one, the real toss-up with this was whether or not My I put it ahead of... My notes have a bunch of question marks and exclamation <laughs> points next to that now. Well... Um, I, I'm interested I, to hear why. I don't take these decisions lightly, Allie. I want you to know that. I know. Um, I thought about it, especially in comparison. Really, it was only between that and Rogue One and Phantom Menace. Um, and Phantom Menace, because of you, Allie, your lasting contribution to this podcast <laughs> has been to raise up the Phantom the Menace, Phantom Menace in your eyes. And I know some of our listeners might not like that or appreciate that, but I do. Um, and I'll explain. Um, but it was really just between those three. Okay. And they're all very close to each other, in my opinion. And I really just tried to step back and think about what do I want to watch right now? And uh, what will I want to watch five years from now or ten years from now? Okay. Um, and, and so far, this is where, <laughs> where I'm at in my molten list of, <laughs> of Star Wars movies. Um, I think a big part of it is just the presence, however slight, of Jedi and the Force. And uh, okay. And Han Solo and General Leia Organa and the potential presence of Luke Skywalker, though not really, in The <laughs> Force Awakens. And that that's a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's also in this unexplored territory of uh, we, we've never been in this time period in the Star Wars universe before. And we're finally getting there. Uh, you know, we've been waiting since 1983 to continue the saga. And it's been on and off for years, whether or not they would continue. And then we found out a few years back that they would. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we couldn't be happier about it. Um, I do love that. I love some of the settings. There's a lot about the movie I love. There's stuff that I hate. Um, part of my issue with The Force Awakens is that everything feels staged. Everybody feels like they're so aware that they're in a Star Wars movie, whether it's background characters or the primary characters, with the exception of Han. I think, honestly, I think it's Harrison Ford's best acting in the entire Star Wars saga. Um, Ali's <laughs> making stink face. <laughs> but his lines are delivered really well. He feels very Han Solo in almost every scene of the movie, with a couple of exceptions in the dialogue. Yeah. Um, but he, he feels like he's there. He's more. I feel like he's more earnest than anyone else in the movie. Oh, yeah, by far. Other characters are over-eager. But, I mean, if you go back to, the, to New Hope, Empire, Jedi, everybody is so earnest. They believed it. It was like we were peeking into their world, and they didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Force Awakens did not feel that way. There are, there are entire scenes that feel like a stage play, like the whole opening sequence of the movie um, 
in Kelvin Ravine on Jack Who when Kylo Ren first shows up and Poe Dameron's there with Laura Santeca, it feels very staged like a play. Like, yeah. Batty enters stage left, and this, he does. And this will <clears> begin <throat> to make things right. Yeah, it just it, what it feels a little too self-aware. And I think part of the problem with it is I think J.J. Abrams was making a copy of a copy. Yeah. So uh, Star Wars, uh, as brilliantly original as it was, it's really an homage to the things that interested George Lucas, yeah. to the things that he grew up loving. And so you you can't try to do that to Star Wars. You kind of if you want to capture the spirit of A New Hope. You have to go back to his original influences and kind of pay homage to those. Is that a thing? Render homage? Uh, pay pay homage. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> to those, not do that to Star Wars. Yeah. Because now you're making a copy of a copy. I'm so, like, what you said about how, like, everybody in The Force Awakens is self-aware that mm-hmm. they're in a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Thinking about when when the prequels were being made, especially uh, Phantom Menace, and how, like, nobody in that movie is really self-aware that they're... Like, maybe Jake Lloyd, but he's nine, so you kind (laughs) of are like, whatever, you're just a dumb kid. But, like, you know, like, Ewan McGregor grew up in a Star Wars family. Like, his Mm -hmm. uncle played Wedge. Yep. And he... he I always forget that. And I remember, like, reading interviews with him about how he was so excited that he was finally going to be in a Star Wars movie and, like... You read that in Star Wars Insider? Probably. (laughs) Right before you wrote in. (laughs) What's going on? Um, But I'm just, like, it's interesting to think about how everybody in The Force Awakens is so aware of the fact that they are... They are in a Star Wars movie, yeah, and they are they are going to be responsible for like the life or death of the next three movies, right? And the same could have been said for the Phantom Menace, but nobody in that movie they just seem to know like we're making a movie, let's make the movie, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, some of that can be George Lucas presence. You know, it might be that that was lacking with the Force Awakens, yeah. And again, I'm not I'm not going to. Um, go back and change my opinion. Everyone rejoiced that he was no longer involved and it it gave people hope that they could actually be good again. And I know that he, like, he did have involvement, Mm -hmm. but, like, I distinctly remember reading... He... I don't think he has come out and said anything for or against The Force Awakens, but I think people have reacted to the way he's reacted and been like, he didn't seem... Thrilled. Thrilled? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and it's understandable in retrospect. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the key examples that you could point to, I was listening to also this morning, um, the Cantina song mm. from A New Hope. Yep. And when you listen to that song, if I encourage you listeners to go back and listen to the whole thing, okay? The, the actual soundtrack, because you're yeah. not going to hear the whole thing uninterrupted in the movie. No. It's going to be lowered at certain points because of the dialogue, whatever. Listen to the song, and it's a really cool song. Yeah. It's a really nice composition it's fun i could imagine it being played at disney like in one of the it reminded me when you get toward the end of the song it's something they could be playing on a really fun ride mm-hmm. as awesome ambiance but you can tell their objective was make a really good song yeah compose a really good song and you could tell jj abrams objective was make something star warsy yeah and you know that's i think that's the difference in and approach like Lin, there. i think lin manuel <laughs> miranda was part of the writing of yes. Jabba Flow. Yeah. And it's good. It's a good song. It just doesn't belong in Star Wars. Yeah. It's just like, 
again, and it's self-referential. It's just a copy, right? yeah. Like, why are you singing about Jabba? Yeah. Um, you're doing that's no much the fans. Yeah. You know, if you do one of those things in the movie, but when you do twenty of them, it's just fan service, and it's not. It's, and I loved, by the way, Ryan Johnson's comment on Twitter. So somebody, you saw this, Allie. I know you're looking at me. You're I'm trying just trying to remember, to remember what I'm it. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, somebody basically said, you know, they were kind of saying the same thing, that Force Awakens was kind of a retread. It was a J.J. Abrams reboot, whatever, and it wasn't original. And how do you – I forget. I think they were asking, how do you convince fans that that's not what we're going to get with Last Jedi? Mm-hmm. And he said something to the effect of, I spent the last two, three years, whatever it is, trying to make a movie that's as non-derivative – yeah, and as original as possible. Something, something to that yeah. effect. Um, so that gives me a lot of hope. Yes. Which is why segue. The next movie on my list is Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. <laughs> you can't have a movie that hasn't come out yet. Yes, I can. Alan, don't list. tell me what I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> this is why our lists aren't being compared. Okay. Okay, because I can right. have it on my list, Al. But you have no reason for it being there. Yes, I do. It's already better. <laughs> than any other movie. So Empire, New Hope, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. But we can't talk about it now because no. I haven't seen it yet. But but that's the place it has on the list. And you know what, Rai Rai, if you're listening, you can move up the list. So you're not stuck at number five. <laughs> it, you know, but after we actually see the movie. Maybe I'll even move it up after the next trailer. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, so next on my list would be, oh, this is really tough. And so I have this arrow. Can I have a tie on my list? I think you can. I think that's all right. All right. So I'm going to put Rogue One and Phantom Menace in a tie. That's fair. That is very fair. Those were the two that I struggled with the most. Yeah. Rogue One is a better film than Phantom Menace, in my opinion, uh, in the way that it was made and crafted and everything. Although, when it comes to produ- production design, I mean, the Phantom Menace... Um, again, this is why the concept artists are so crucial. The yeah. costumes, the environments are incredible. Oh. I love them so much. And in any other movie, like, who cares? You're not going to give a movie five stars because it looks good. But, like, Phantom Menace, I want to. Yeah. You know? Um, I started with five stars because of how it looks and because some of those some of those ships. And, see, I was old enough at that point that this is not footy pajama syndrome. That came out in 99, so I was... 1999. was 10 years old. That was the first Star Wars movie I saw with my dad in the theater. I was 22, so you you guys can do the math out there. (laughs) Um, So I wasn't at the footy pajama stage. That's that whole theory that people love Star Wars just because they were babies when it came out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Eye roll. Uh, There are plenty of things I liked at the time that I no longer think are good. Yeah. And And Star Wars is not one of them. But I was old enough for Phantom Menace coming out where I appreciated the whole, you know the whole everything behind Star Wars and the hype and how big a deal it had become over, you know, over those 22 years between A New Hope and Phantom Menace. Um, But it's so beautiful. The ships are incredible. Uh, The Naboo Starfighter is probably my favorite thing in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Character, ship, planet, otherwise, it is amazing. Uh, And if you ever go to Star Tours... In Disney, there is one scenario that gets played out. They kind of randomly mix and match scenes that you go through. Yeah. It's kind of the virtual reality-ish experience. Um, oh, the, the one Naboo on Naboo. Scene. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's, it's so, so good. Fun. You're flying in a Naboo Starfighter through the clouds over Naboo, and then you fly down into the ocean. Into Otagunga. Yeah. And you see those big sea creatures and everything, and it's wonderful. And then it ends, well... There's always the bigger fish. I could go on. But uh, Phantom Menace and Rogue One are tied. Rogue One is incredible because uh, 
we've, there's never been that kind of scale in a Star Wars yeah. movie. Gareth Edwards has an incredible eye for scenery, for environments, for scale. I don't, I don't think anyone's better at creating things that just feel massive. Uh, maybe aside from Guillermo del Toro in Pacific Rim. Yeah, um, I would love to see him direct a Star <clears throat> Wars movie. Oh, and, and here's a little <laughs> aside. So I listen to Collider's podcasts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do enjoy them, and they have a Collider Jedi Council. You guys should go check that out. It's pretty cool. Um, and they, they brought up a good point, um, which is they said, you know, wouldn't it be great? Uh, their, their, their latest episode is uh, what if Patty Jenkins, director of Wonder Woman, which was amazing, uh, directed a Star Wars spinoff. But I say, why not give her a saga movie? Why not have her direct episode 10 if and when that should happen? I hope at that time that that, that would be incredible to me. Yeah, that would be cool. So I, I appreciate their sentiment. I'm not knocking their sentiment. I think that was a great idea, um, but that's a start. I think uh, I wouldn't limit her to doing a spinoff movie. They were, I think they were saying maybe like a, a, a younger Princess Leia spinoff, which is fine, I, I guess. I don't think I, mean, I want could, that movie. I don't want that movie at all. I mean, I'm sure you could come up with a good premise and a good interesting story for that scenario, but um, have her do episode 10. You know, I, I I would be so happy with her doing that movie I, with that, that being in her hands. Yeah. And I think that even even, um, you know, Wonder Woman was is not a perfect movie, but it's awesome. Um, and I think, you know, I just another tangent. Can I can I go on a tangent here? Yeah. Why are there so many movies coming out now that we come out of being like, yeah, it was really good. It's not perfect. There are some really goofy things. I feel like we say that every time. I think it's because we're more critical of movies now. I don't think it I don't. Is. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Well, because even like, so there are movies that I love, Uh that I grew up loving. Yeah. I will watch them now as an adult and I will be like, you know, I still like this movie, but man, like I'm finding issues with X, Y, and Z. There was something that Brendan and I watched a few months ago and I was like, Wow, I don't remember it being this sexist when I was a kid and now I'm like... The Cosby Show? No. (laughs) I'm trying to remember what movie it was, and I can't remember. Yeah. I think it might have been a Disney movie. But I don't even mean from, like, a like tonally. I think there are a lot of movies that we look back on as sexist or racist or something yeah. from, from back then. But I, I only – I mean functionally as a film that there's just these junky parts that don't, that I, don't fit together and – I think I think one of the problems with that is because I agree. Like I loved Wonder Woman. Like I I wasn't I didn't get to crying levels. Like I know so many women did, and I <coughs> did you cry? I got my eyes welled up. I mean, my eyes. I, I want to tell you why. But I wasn't going. like sobbing yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. They, like I loved that movie, but I also there were like structural issues right. with it that I right. had. But I think that that problem stems from this idea that like their movies are longer now. Yeah. And so people try to cram more into them. And it's like, instead of cramming more into the movie, just, like, allow the things, allow your story to breathe. Right. The stories aren't organic. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem. And I think, like, there, there's no way Patty Jenkins wanted the that ending scene. Okay, you know that there's a battle at the end of every well, single one of these movies. It. It's a comic book movie. But there's no way that's how she wanted it. Yeah, that was, I feel like that's probably 
where Zack Snyder had the most influence Zack on that Snyder, whole movie. or not even just him, DC executives, yeah. whoever it is that's worried about the money, I feel like that's where they're cramming in the, you know, the demographic scenes. Like, yeah, oh, wait, I don't scene, think we're hitting this audience. Wait, 12-year-old boys fell asleep an hour ago. We need to get this in there. Yeah, that scene didn't that scene yeah. didn't die early It happens enough. with Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now, that, that might be uh, more of a James Gunn thing because he's just wild and, like, whatever his brain comes up with, he puts in. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually very happy with that because it does feel more like that was just his movie. But that's why things like like the Battle of Endor is so long. Yeah. But you're cutting between the battle on the ground, the battle in space, and the lightsaber duel on the Death Star. Right. And so you have like these pause breaks mm-hmm. where you're breaking it up and that's what makes it easier to watch. Whereas like Wonder Woman battling bleh, person I'm not going to mention like yeah, yeah. that just, just goes on it just was you know, broken if, up by like if, little pieces of Steve Trevor and his buddies yeah which wasn't it wasn't like far enough from what was going on right right so I think also my biggest issue with that movie was the amount of slow motion oh yeah I didn't need to see and the CG slow-mo was not good. every time Diana flipped over right and in gen- generally the CG in that movie was not good I there's a lot a of things that was very fake. It. it was a lot of the motion and the stunts where it's like you don't actually need CG. You just need to spend some more time on actual physical effects and stunts. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I want to say about Jedi, and I, I meant to mention this when we were talking about oh. Jedi, is that last space battle. Every single Marvel movie nowadays ends up with a massive shootout, massive battle. But it's just things destroying things yeah. and things punching things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Whereas that battle, there's a lot of strategy that goes into that. They go in, they think the shield's going to be down, they find out it's not. Then they find out the Death Star is operational, so now it's blowing up in, like, enormous ships. Like, none of that had happened before. Right, and then it you're like... It wasn't just a battle. It wasn't a shootout. We're going to fly into those Star Destroyers. Maybe right. we'll be able to take a few of them with us. Right, and, oh, and if we get close to them, then the Death Star can't shoot us because it might hit its own ship. Yeah. Like, that's all smart stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have, yeah, going into the Death Star, which was a complex in a slightly different way from A New Hope. Granted, yeah. similar, but still fun. Now you have somebody totally different flying the Millennium Falcon. You got Lando and Neon Numb in there, which was so cool. Anyway, sorry. Uh, tangent, Rogue One. End of tangent. Rogue One. Good movie. Uh, I, I, I think that it doesn't have the lasting power with me. and Because the Force isn't in it? Maybe because the Force isn't in it. And I think that's where we differ because I love it for that reason. No, okay, so I think it's okay for that reason. The other thing, that the other key component, though, is there's no one character that you're really hanging on. And, like, Jin could have been that character. It's mm-hmm. no fault of Felicity Jones. She was fantastic. But they didn't really let her have a clear path. There was no clear, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's my character's arc. Here's, you know, how I've grown. I mean, she did start to care more about the actual cause instead of just worrying about herself and having abandonment issues or whatever. But I think that's her arc. I know, but they they kind of all feel the same. By the end of the movie, every single character just feels the same to me pretty much. Oh, because they're all, like, broken and looking for a cause. Yeah, they're all just like, I'm ready to die for this now. And they all do. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, they're, I feel like they're interchangeable. Jin could have been on the beach doing what Baze and Chirith did. And, you know, Diego Luna could have been, you know, they just all felt interchangeable to me by the end of the movie. Yeah, but I think that's what <clears> you, <throat> that's like the risk that you take when you have an ensemble movie. Yeah, but also, but, but then Jin could have had a meaningful moment with Krennic 
but she really doesn't. Oh, yeah, that part does bother me that, like, she wasn't able to have, like, that. I love Cassian, but man, did he ruin that moment. <laughs> like, what the? Don't shoot him yet. Typical man. Yeah, basically. <laughs> All right, so then, uh, so we got Rogue One and Phantom Menace in a, in a tie. Then Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I buddy. I don't really have much to add. Um, I actually think th- as, a, as a film, it's much more watchable than Phantom Menace or maybe even a couple other movies on this list because there, there is good action in the movie. There is really cool, creative uh, scenery, characters, creatures, ships. Um, Mustafar. <clears throat> but it, it's also kind of dour. Yeah, I don't like the pretty much uh, the last third of the movie. I don't really like because um, it's so dark. Beca- because it's dark, but it's dour. It's not. It's gloomy, and it's just it's just unpleasant. And Anakin's motivations in the movie don't make any sense. Yeah, I, I've said for a long time the the best motivation he could possibly have is guilt and uh, a sense of betrayal. I think he does have that. I just think that that Hayden Christensen was not between Hayden Christensen's like look acting abilities mm-hmm. and George Lucas's inability to like really get yeah, a sentence to out. Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I because th- I think you do see the guilt. Like he feels guilty about how like he has these feelings for Padme and he cares about his mother and yet he's he wants to be a Jedi and he is a Jedi and he's being told like you can't feel these things like you should feel bad about the way that you feel about these people and like he has that guilt but it does not come out the way that you it comes out so much better in the Clone Wars yeah and I, and I think I, I think that George Lucas didn't um, he, he didn't realize that that's all Anakin needed yeah so they came up with this other ploy of like oh I, I I'm the Emperor and I have a magical ability to save your wife and and that was unnecessary. That that is much less a real human motivation. I mean, yeah, granted, nobody wants their loved one to die. Yeah. But it just made much less sense. Meanwhile, Anakin slaughtered a village full of sand people in the previous movie, including women and children. And they show the guilt of that in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, that is enough of a motivating factor, the fact that he has guilt. He's hiding things from the Jedi. At the same time, they're doing things behind his back, mm-hmm. and they're kind of betraying him in a sense, or he could certainly take it that way. And that's all you needed for Anakin's motivation. I think they wanted it seems like they wanted to play off of the idea that like fear leads to hate hate leads to anger anger leads to the dark side yeah and I think I messed that quote up something no I think it was uh, hate leads to suffering Jesus I don't know yeah yeah yeah. which is essentially the dark side but so I just didn't want to say it yeah and I I think that maybe I'm just guessing here based on the fact that you brought up that they were like forcing this fear of his wife dying like we didn't, yeah, we didn't need that. Like, we understand that fear is a path to the dark side because right. we, we know that quote right. decently enough as yeah. I've proven. <laughs> but yeah. I can insert it in post. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't feel right. Right. It feels like there's too much being thrown yes. at him. It was a crutch. It was like a magical elixir because George Lucas didn't think that those other human motivations were enough to sell it. Yeah. And I think he threw that in. And, yeah, it was totally unnecessary. Um, I do think the final confrontation with Obi-Wan is great. It is dragged out a little bit too long. And you have the insertion of the Muppets at the beginning of that scene that Anakin is slaying on Mustafar, which it's like, you know, you guys, it's starting to feel real here. It's starting to feel like Star Wars again. And then you throw... Uh, what were they? Who you know the? the oh yeah, the Jedi oh, come to kill the, us. Um, the the Moidians. Yeah, yeah. 
I um, think I think it feels drawn out because it's cut between the Anakin Obi Wan lightsaber battle, which is like raw, emotional, and intense, uh-huh. and then you cut to the Palpatine Yoda battle, which oh, is yeah. just like goofy. Yeah, and the Palpatine way- and all of his like. Ah! <laughs> Yeah. Why are you laughing like that, Ian McDermott? Nobody that was in needs his that. contract. Like, I get to ham it up this time, George. <sighs> oh, man. Nobody needed that. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that I hate about that movie, too, is him. You know, yeah, and, and uh, he's great until Mace Windu tries to kill him, <laughs> and then he's just monster mash. Remember a few episodes back when I kept saying Mace Window? No. I did. I kept saying window, and you made a joke about it, and then I just kept doing it. And I listened back, like, what was wrong with me? <laughs> you were stroking And on up. the spot, I didn't know it, and I've never done that before. It was really weird. Uh, yeah, I, I hate that. I hate his performance, and I hate the fact that, I mean, he kills three Jedi in a total nonsensical way. Oh, yeah. That was a cartoon way. That's like how you do it on Disney XD, because the kids can't see you impale a Jedi with a lightsaber. <laughs> Um, they did it. Which P.S. we see lots of in the Clone Wars. Yeah, we've all seen this now. Let it go. Relax your ratings or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we watch Anakin kill kids. Yeah, and right. Well, and you kind of don't, but but, but he know. does. But you know what he's doing. But no, I mean the the him killing three Jedi. Like, okay, I, we get that he's super power, powerful, but any Jedi should be able to hang for a minute with anyone. Yeah, you know, that was just sad. That was just like, oh, like seriously, you stabbed a Jedi through the chest because that Jedi held his lightsaber over his head for 10 minutes waiting for you to do that? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just not – he he weakened the value of a Jedi. Yeah. He, he compromised the integrity of a Jedi's strength Yeah. Uh, because, with that scene. And, and those are some of the things that put Revenge of the Sith down at second to last on my list. That's fair. The very last thing on my list, as you know... Is Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clowns, which is what I'm calling it from <laughs> now on. Send in the clowns. <laughs> I always wondered what it was like when John Williams was being shown the footage and trying to... How the hell them. am I supposed to write to this? <laughs> I think my favorite part of that movie is, is the end when... Uh, uh, Yoda says, "Like begun the Clone Wars have," mm-hmm. and then you just see like all of the clones marching onto the Star Destroyers and the, the Imperial March. So plays. fake too. So fake, so but that's fake. like the best part. Yeah, it's the end. no, it is. Uh, the other one thing. <laughs> Sorry, that, this is your ranking. You no, should. No, no, t- no, it's okay. This is what I did to you, Al. Um, uh, the other one of the brilliant and inspired moments. One of the very few of them. <laughs> That <laughs> that exist in Attack of the Clowns, <laughs> I am saying that on purpose. Unlike Mace Window, uh, is the when Dooku leaves his ship. The design of his ship is oh, it's awesome. so cool. The music that plays. Do you remember when his uh, solar sail, his solar wind sail, yeah. opens up on his ship? I don't Listen to that. that music. Oh, okay. Oh, it's beautiful. It's creepy. Um, it's magical. You, you have to go back and listen. That's one of the only saving graces of that movie. Mm. Um, so that's it, Alice. Those are my rankings. You don't have anything else to say about Attack of the Clones. I don't have anything else to say about Attack of the Clones. It's one of the worst things. It's so bad. I will tell you this. My eight-year-old really enjoys the scene in the meadow. 
<laughs> in the what? <laughs> the meadow. When oh. it's Anakin and Amidala rolling around and then Anakin getting sat on by a giant butt monster. <laughs> <laughs> I hate sand. So, Allie, this is our last episode in person with you together. We will have you back via the Force. Yes. You are like Qui-Gon. You will find a path back to us through the Force. Yeah. I think we should do, like, call and response type episodes where Brendan and I record and then you and Jeff can react and vice versa. I kind of envision every single episode going that way from yeah. the Just naturally. Organically. You hear that, people writing Star Wars movies? Organic. Organically. Organic storytelling. Stop forcing things, no pun intended, but intended if you want it to be. I don't care as long as you get the point. <laughs> Do it right. Else, Brad. we're just going to wrap this up like a normal episode because okay. this is not goodbye. No. This is... Um, see you later. See you on the flip side. Yeah. This is Brett. This is Allie. We're just two wonderful human <laughs> beings. By the way, that's, <laughs> you know why I'm saying that, right? That is a Star Wars quote. Wonderful human beings. It is one of the special edition scenes, the one that they filmed in 1977. Oh, yes. When Han, Han tells Jabba. Jabba, says you're a wonderful human being, Jabba. Yep. Wonderful human being. <laughs> this is Brett. This is Allie. And we're just two wonderful human beings talking about Star Wars. All the time. In the Skywalk. Woo! Woo!